Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. In 1972-1973, when uh, we first encountered uh, Muhammad Rahim Bao Muhayyadeen, uh, there was one book available, and it was called The Divine Luminous Wisdom That Dispels the Darkness, Man-God, God-Man. And uh, those lines, man-god, god-man, are very intriguing. Uh, they sort of pull you in and make you wonder, what is this all about? And what we began to understand is that the essence of Allah is within the entire universe. And we are also within the universe. So, in a very real way, we are also part of the essence of Allah. Um, the world is made up of elemental forces and elements. Uh, in the shorthand that Bauer uses, he calls the elements earth, fire, water, air, and ether. And these elements are all subject to dissipation. They fall apart. They uh, they come into being, and then somehow they end their being. They have a span. Uh, now the the non-carbon based um, creations have a longer span than the carbon based creations. In other words, living things don't last as long as rocks. But, but everything has, has a time limit and it goes through changes. So, what is it that doesn't have a time limit? And what is it that's stable and doesn't go through changes? Well, of course, that's God. And what are we told about God? We are told that he has 99 distinct qualities that are mentioned in the Quran and thousands of other gracious attributes. But let's deal with the 99 qualities first. And what is it that we'll notice as soon as we begin to study the qualities and begin to have an understanding about them. They're non-elemental. They're very powerful, but they're non-elemental. Um, mercy and compassion aren't elements. They're qualities. Yet, the power that they have is incredibly strong. Uh, 
and you can feel it. Love is non-elemental, yet it has a power that's incredibly strong. Now, the main meditation that we were given was La ilaha illallah. This is the core (coughs) meditation in existence. And it essentially translates, depending on your spectrum of elements to non-elements, it translates in there's no other God than Allah, or at the other spectrum, I do not exist, only Allah exists. So the formalists differentiate between gods. The non-formalists, the Sufis, acknowledge one God and that that's all that exists and that it empowers all of creation, the entire world, and all being. So what is it that we are? Uh, Bawa asked the question over and over, who am I? And he indicated to us that we should be asking the question, who am I? So, what does it mean, I do not exist, only God exists? Well, let's look at ourselves. We are made up of elements. We are made up of a cooperation between earth, air, fire, water, and ether. And these have all been formed in a certain way by God, and life was created. And then... God blew into our being a soul. A soul is godlike, godly, and different than earth, air, fire, water, and ether. Now, let's take a look at our life and how we interact with things. Subject object. We are a seer and we see something. So there's a duality. Subject, object. We look at things and we draw conclusions. We enter into relationships and we enter into various emotional reactions to this subject-object relationship with people or with things. Some people have emotional attachments to cars. Some people have emotional reactions to motorcycles. Some people have emotional reactions to everything that comes in their house and they never throw a thing out. So it's not just people we have emotional reactions with, but what we have emotional reactions with are the object of our subject-object relationship. Now, God 
is not an object. God has no form. God is made up of qualities. Qualities are not made up of elements. So, how do we have a relationship with God? Can that which is elemental have a relationship with that which is not elemental? Because if that which is elemental has a relationship with that which is not elemental, the following happens. You imagine what the non-elemental is like because you can't know. And why can't you know? Because only God can know God. Only the non-elemental can know the non-elemental. The elemental can only know the the elemental or its hallucination, its imagination of that which is non-elemental. So, la ilaha illallah. I do not exist. Only God exists. We have to enter into the non-elemental portion of ourselves in order to have a relationship with God. In order to have a true relationship with God. So, if we are not compassionate, we cannot have a relationship with compassion. If we are not merciful, we cannot have a relationship with mercy. If we are not searching for compassion and mercy, we are not searching for God. And where do we search for compassion and mercy? Inside of ourselves. To bring out compassion and mercy from our being. And as we search for mercy and compassion in ourselves, what else are we searching for? We're searching for Allah. We're searching for God. Because as we change the nature of our internal being from being occupied with subject-object, from being occupied with the material, to beginning to understand the non-material, the non-elemental, we become closer to reality. Halaj said, Anil Haq, I am the truth. Well, what he was doing was he was taking a stand saying, I'm with the non-elemental. I'm not with the elements. So, that frightens the ones who are involved in the elemental. Because those who are involved in the elemental and haven't been brought to the place of understanding that reality lies in the the non-elemental, they cannot accept it. The ignorance of the non-elemental makes you believe that the elemental is all that exists. And that's why everybody tries to control the world. To control the space around them. To control their lives. To usurp power so that they can use it in their object, subject, subject, object relationships. Everybody wants to move things around. 
and how? Somehow to satisfy their imagination. Somehow to satisfy their mind. The mind, which is elemental, is limited to understanding elemental things. The mind can't understand the non-elemental. The non-elemental is beyond the mind. It comes from a different portion of us. And as long as we remain in the intellect and remain in the mind, we can't move into the truth. We can't move into that which is not subject to falling apart because of the nature of its elemental construction. So, what is it that we need to do? We need to somehow detach from all of the elemental emotional contacts that we have in the world. Wow! I mean, think about that. Not such an easy thing to even think about. Yet, the sheikh, the guru, the teacher was telling us that if we want to find the truth, that's the way. There is no other way. And as long as we become more and more engrossed, more and more attached to, more and more desirous of the elemental, the further we pull ourselves away from the truth. Because the reality of existence is that which is beyond time, that which is beyond space, that which is beyond the elements, that which has no birth or death, that which exists as the essential force. So who are we? Are we this body? Are we this amalgam of elements that are being held together for a period of time and then are going to dissipate and disappear? And when it dissipates and disappears, is there anything left? Is there something else? There is. And all of the prophets and all of the Ketubs have explained to us and the friends of God that we are within this elemental body we have a non-elemental portion to ourselves. And when we say who am I the answer is we are the non-elemental portion of our being. And what is the non-elemental portion in our being? It is that that created everything and created us and put part of that that created everything into us. So, when somebody asks you, who are you? Can you answer it? Or do you have to call from your memory because you're not really in touch from your memory of what you've been told because you're not really in touch with that part of yourself? Lots of teachers 
have learned memorization and have learned to repeat what they've been taught without knowing the reality of what they've been taught. So, is it possible that we can find a space while sitting still that encompasses all space? Is it possible that we can find a space that is beyond the universes and includes the universes? Is it possible that we can find a space that is within that which created us. If we haven't, then this is what we should be searching for. Why? Because all of the empty spaces in our existence that we are trying to fill with the elemental will actually be filled by the non-elemental. All of the difficulties that we have with the elemental will disappear once we become in touch with haq, with truth, with reality, with the qualities that belong to Allah. But as long as we depend on the elemental nature uh, part of existence, then we are caught in illusion and we are trying to make illusion fulfill our desires. We are trying to turn illusion into something that will give us hope, that will give us happiness, that will give us reason for being. It's like going to the movies, and when the ocean comes on, expecting to be able to swim. It can't happen. It's not real. It is a fantasy of what may, in fact, be real somewhere else. So, we have to begin to understand what's fantasy and what's real. And Sufism is the search for reality. Sufism is the annihilation of fantasy. So, when we speak about the annihilation of the self, we are speaking about the annihilation of fantasy. We're speaking about the annihilation of imagination. We're speaking about the annihilation of hallucination. We're speaking about the annihilation of thinking the way things should be and just trying to be within that which is, without thinking about it. Now, these are not easy things, and these aren't even things that touch the consciousness of most people in the world. For most people, religion is dressing up in costumes, repeating certain kinds of rituals, and growing their hair one way or another, or shaving their hair one way or another. This becomes religion. And the constant repetition of rituals is called holy. In Sufism, what's holy is 
giving up your imagination and touching reality. Now, there are prescribed methodologies for doing this. And there are prescribed prayers for doing this that help this path. But the path continues until everything disappears. And the real question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we have the courage to disappear? Do we have the courage to not only let go of our ego, but to shoot it in a uh, Sufi tariqat called Halveti, which was started, I think, around the 1400s. They developed a practice where two people would stare into each other's eyes for an extended period of time with the purpose of losing consciousness of who they were and who the other person was and becoming intermingled with them. The point being to have an experience where you lose yourself. So, I'm not saying we should all sit around staring at each other's eyes, but I am saying that we should begin to have an attempt at having experiences where we lose ourselves. Because when you lose yourselves, what do you lose? You lose your fear. You, you lose your anxiety. You lose your ego. You lose all of the things that attach you to illusion. But if you hold on to yourself and you try and praise yourself, you can't. Uh, people talk about their arrogance and uh, they don't know what to do about it. Well, the truth is, arrogance comes from disdain and lack of empathy. And when you put it that way, you realize it ain't such a good thing. Uh, disdain means that you want to lord over other people because they're less than you, which is the entire nature of illusion, power over illusion. And lack of empathy means that to maintain this disdain, you have to create a separation between yourself and others. Because if you felt their pain, out goes the disdain. If you don't feel their pain, and you marginalize them, and make them into the other, it's much easier to maintain the separation and to maintain your superiority. Religions do this. Societies do this. Languages do this. Races do this. All of the things that separate us from each other are a form of disdain and a lack of empathy. Our inability to connect because of a reason that we give ourselves which makes us superior and the other lesser. So, how do we do away with it? Well, by practice. And what is the practice? The practice is beginning to understand the nature of illusion and imbibing it in such a way that it becomes really understood by you 
and you understood, you understand its temporary nature. Now, for most people, if someone would say to you, you have to be able to realize your own death, and then you can escape with your life. Uh, it's a difficult pill to swallow, because most people can't even imagine death. I was giving a talk in a church one day, and a lady raises her hand and says, Why all this talk about death? I don't want to talk about death. That's depressing. I thought that was an interesting point of view. Now, if you can figure out a way to stop it, we won't talk about it. <laughs> but if, if we're going to have to deal with it, we should talk about it a little bit. And what we should understand is, one, not to be afraid of it, and two, understand that it's going to take us to a different place. Before you fall asleep, are you asleep? And then after you fall asleep, are you awake? And can you catch that moment in between when you were neither asleep or awake? But It's interesting. We know about changing states. Because we do it. All of us sleep. Some of us better than others, but all of us sleep. And something happens when that sleep occurs. Our body becomes reinvigorated, but our body also leaves whatever it was involved with at the moment prior to falling asleep. So, understand that there's another phase coming. And all of the things that you had been engaged with while awake, or so-called awake, all of the fears, all of the anxieties, all of the traumas, all of the difficulties, will all of a sudden disappear. Because they won't be there anymore for you. Well, do you know that if you disengage your mind from them now, they won't be there for you now either? They are not something that you have to be involved in, but for some reason, because of our difficulty in disengaging with the mind, we are involved with them. And the mind, the intellect, is a very powerful tool. So powerful that it confuses us into thinking that it's also wise and that it knows what it's doing. Uh, the intellect created the atomic bomb. The intellect created the hydrogen bomb. How smart was that? We need to learn to give illusion less respect. And as we give illusion less respect, we pull away from it more and more. Many of us, especially when we're young, are very stuck in worrying about what other people think of us and in trying to please others and in trying to make an image of ourselves that is conducive to being liked. Well, there's nothing wrong with being kind, but there's also nothing right about worrying if you're liked. 
it doesn't do you any good. Uh, what you need to worry about, if you're going to worry about something, is worry about are my qualities close enough to Allah to be in union with Him? Are my qualities pure enough to be connected to that which is real? So, these are the meditations that we should be doing. These are the understandings that we should be striving for. And a little man came to Philadelphia who sat on a bed on 5820 Overbrook Avenue and was able to convey in a very real sense what it is like to be without all of these attachments. And he was able to convey to us his state so that we could enter his state. And you have to believe that. You can't believe that this was just for him. If it was just for him, then why did he bother coming? If it was just for him, why did he bother talking to everybody who came in front of him trying to explain this? If it was just for him, why did he suffer through all his physical tribulations in order to continue to explain to people what it was like to be free of these things. So, in our being, we must learn to detach. And in that detachment, another state is available. Just like before you fall asleep, you're awake, But after you fall asleep, you're not awake. Before you enter God's qualities, you are asleep in illusion. And when you enter God's qualities, you awake in truth. And until you awake in truth, you don't know what awaking in truth is. Ignorance doesn't know wisdom nor can it. And ignorance is only dissipated by an active effort to disengage the mind from all of that which it considers important and to re-engage through our heart with the resonance of Hak, the truth. It is essential that each of us set this intention. And then it is essential that we begin to move forward on this intention. We know the methodology for reaching that place. We know the path for that place. We also should realize, in case we haven't, that almost the entire world considers this to be bull and gives it no credence and gives it no moment, and gives it very little thought. But that shouldn't stop us. Bawa said it's very rare to find a man who is true, a man who lives in truth, and a man who has stepped outside of illusion. May we all become those beings. Amen. Alhamdulillah.